0: The elections are knocking at our door and you have to make a decision. Where are you going to vote for? Are you voting for an agenda you believe in or for a person you trust? Are you voting for authenticity or for accomplishments? Are you voting for experience or do you prefer fresh perspective? These are tough decisions each of us has to make in order to create the world and the Nelson we want to live in. My guest today is Keith Page, who is running for the second term on the city council. We talk about challenges at the council table and why the housing crisis has not been solved yet. Let's get to know him. Hi, Kiss. I want to start different this time, and I want to ask you a personal question. So, what is the most challenging thing you had to face as a politician?
1: One of the most difficult things that I went through, I think, over the last four years was those times where I had put something out, either intentionally or non-intentionally, and people reflected back to me judgments and personal commentary and who I was as a person without the context of the human connection. Whether there was something that was being shared, like a snippet of something I had said, or a message I was trying to put out in the community as people were struggling with the challenges that we were facing over the last four years and how some of that stuff gets shared far and wide in a digital space. And you hear people that you don't know, you've never met, you've never been in a room with reflecting back at you, something about you that you don't recognize because it's so disconnected from you as a person. And there's a personal growth that has to come from that. That's really difficult in terms of looking at my own self-esteem and finding ways to stand firm in those moments, knowing that I've entered into these conversations with the best of intention, and I've tried to support and help. And I think one of the great difficulties with the online spaces is that the human feedback back loops of what it looks like to be in a room and have the same discussion and hear all of the different opinions and as the ideas or thoughts form as a community is really hampered by the poor substitute that digital spaces provide for that kind of human to human connection. And so one of the most difficult things I've had to wrestle with over the last term is those moments when something goes viral and you become part of someone else's political agenda. Like you're you're a mascot for an idea. And then what's also really interesting about this is one of the silver linings of those moments at least even in my career has been the stealing that it does for all the other conversations that you have to have anyway because if you allow those kinds of misunderstandings and that kind of online brigading to scare you then you can become very tepid in in what you will and will not say Mm -hmm. When you're trying to make decisions, because that's that's kind of part of the, the intention, I think, as as certain political movements kind of foster that kind of discussion, is it can be very muzzling for people who are unprepared to be attacked in those ways, and so I've seen it around our own table and other tables, where because I've seen how bad it can get, then
0: the conflict, you mean. The,
1: how bad the conflict can get the, how, how bad not the conflict because I, I feel like it's it's, uh, it's hard it's hard to call it a conflict when it's it's so one way sometimes like when everybody is on social media and in ontario and in manitoba and they're all dropping their two cents in and people are sliding into your dms and saying like really nasty stuff and, and it's so one way, and, and the thing they've been introduced to is such a mascot of what you actually are. And then that mascot is created by you know, someone with their, uh, their own agenda or a collection of people or a cohort of people that have like aligned agendas, and it fits into a narrative. And so they're like, look at this as an example of this outrageous narrative. And you have to, when you've kind of passed through that fire, you can look at some of the other conversations you're having, and you can know that they're not going to get that bad and until as a politician i think you have passed through that fire once or twice it's really difficult to know when something's going to trigger and when it's not right and what you're what it's going to be like and so you get you can get very I, you can get very scared of it i think and i think i see that in colleagues and peers across across local government so and i think you see it in recruitment i think you see it in the kinds of people that step up to the plate, to be in these roles.
0: Okay, I want to make sure I understand. So there is a communication challenge that politicians face when they're courageous enough to speak up. And people that have different agenda will attack you on a personal level for your political agenda, and they won't come to talk with you, they won't try to get to know you, or they don't try to to learn more about you, but they feel comfortable enough to say nasty personal things about you because it's online. And that this personal bullying creates fear for politicians, and you have to face this fear if you want to keep pursue this career.
1: So I'm saying, like once you step up to it, and it's and you've stepped through that fire and you've survived, you you realize, oh, this is survivable, and and uh, not everyone survives.
0: So as a politician, you need to survive that.
1: You need you don't need to survive it, but what I'm saying is, I've seen it around my peers and my colleagues who haven't gone through that fire. Mm-hmm. And because the fire exists, right, the fear of the fire muzzles and creates a situation where people are afraid to be a bit more opinionated and a bit more bold in their in what they're willing to engage in conversation because they've seen other people be subjected to a fire. But then when you look at the authenticity of why that fire is lit, you really have to question how we as communities push back from that kind of dialogue as a community because Mm -hmm. i think it does have a serious impact i know it has a serious impact on recruitment and the kinds of people that will then put their name forward to for those roles because they're like i don't think i'm strong enough to go through Mm -hmm. that and i would say this kind of work on a local level we don't want to have an environment where you have to be that strong
0: And I would add that people that believe in democracy and the right of speech as a value can fall into that kind of conversation as well when it's related to something close to their heart and it can be triggering for them. Can you identify what kind of people have more tendency to do so?
1: I think this is the interesting duality of it, right? Is we all do it, right? It's not like one side or another side is doing it. It's kind of this cascade down where we mutually accept ever problematic argument types from each other. And in doing so, we continue to sink down in how we have a conversation. And so I think it's not just to any particular group, but it's like, it's my own personal challenge. I think it's the challenge of almost anyone I see trying to deal with any difficult issue is to always bring that temperance and that those ears to listen and still Mm -hmm. that guard To know when and to hear when and to be able to challenge those kinds of arguments and personal attacks and loss of decorum and bring the conversation back up, like, and bring us back to a place where we're not doing that. And we're focused on the agenda of the item and the idea, and we can really have a fulsome exploration of why that particular piece of business exists and what we think the pros and cons of it are and and where we think we should or shouldn't go and how it might fit and then be able to decide as a group what needs to happen and then put it to bed and, and let staff take care of it and follow up and keep an eye on it because it's very difficult for that work to happen in that way when people are looking over their shoulder and worried that they might say something in not quite the right way or that someone might take a very small segment of what they say and and put it out of context which you i'm sure you know happens all the time and and, in so many the digital realm has created so many different ways to do the same thing to take something out of context out of a snippet out of context and then spin it in all sorts of ways
0: So what do you do in the city council when those situations happen? Have you developed ways to support each other? And the other question is, what can be the effect of that kind of behavior on democracy and our personal relationships and our community?
1: So this is more just like a philosophical kind of discussion that is happening amongst the local elected officials. One of the roles I carry right now is president of the association of Kootenai Boundary local government which is the association that wraps up all the elected members in the Kootenai boundary and takes their voice to UBCM. And I think from the business and organization perspective, we really want to foster a society and a community that speaks well to each other. And that will create the kind of psychological safety that is needed to bring diverse voices to the recruitment side, where the community is able to decide for one candidate or another candidate from a wide selection of the, of the community and look to see who their next leader should be. And in an environment where the community turns a blind eye to that kind of online bullying, harassment, online brigading, the denigration of our institutions and the people that are being and our public servants and all the ways that we see that. When the community turns a blind eye to that or or, or doesn't really confront it when it's happening, yeah. and is silent. It's it's no different than what it would be like to be in a broom and have the room be silent as someone else was ridiculed and embarrassed in a way that was completely inappropriate. And when we allow that to foster, that dialogue continues and, and grows within our communities. And then the ability and our effectiveness at tackling the most urgent, uh, high priority and difficult problems is severely compromised, both as on a local level, on a regional level, and on a provincial and federal
0: level. Please share this podcast on social media and messaging apps. This election will influence how much taxes we pay and what they're used for. It will determine how we deal with the housing crisis, environmental emergencies, and support lower-income families. The link is nelson2022.ca. Please share it now and come back for the rest of the conversation. What would you suggest to new people that coming to council around that issue.
1: I think the most important thing is focus on those relationships and that decorum that you have with your colleagues. When you come into that table, the people around you will, you'll be spending the next four years with, and they'll be the people closest to you that that can see the reality or the truth of both who you are and what is being said and how that might be affecting you. Because that will be part of your support network, when you need it. I think the other thing too is I now treat most of my social media as almost purely work-related. I've retracted from certain spaces specifically because the medium is the message as the famous Canadian saying goes. And what that means is is when radio and television were coming out, it was very clear that television itself carried with it a message about society and the content creation that was defined by it being television and not radio and these online social spaces, like Facebook is designed a particular way and it leads to a particular conversation. Almost always like mm-hmm. Facebook is the message. Mm-hmm. Instagram is the message like Twitter is the message and yeah. And so in certain spaces, you have to decide that I'm not interacting in those spaces because that's not my message and that's not the message I want
0: right.
1: to add power to in the world. Yeah. Uh, but that kind of online social hygiene, I think is super important, not only for elected officials, of course, obviously, but I think literally everyone, if you open a door and it always ends in an argument and, and maybe and no arguments going on before you open, don't open the door. Like, just let Zuckerberg not have so much money. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah, That makes sense. Um, So you were considering going to be also mayor. Can you talk about why mayor, why councilor? What can you do in this position and in that position? And how do you make the decision to go for city council again?
1: I was always going to run for council. So as much as there have been difficult days, there's also been many rewards. I've had an impact on residents' lives. I've had an ability to receive inputs and take it back out and take it up the flag or help people. You know, one of the most wonderful things is that ability to hear what someone's trying to accomplish and be able to map out two or three spots they need to touch in order to get there and how to do it right and and give them that clarity. And so I always was going to run... For the table, again, it was never really a question in my mind of not to run, but in having worked at this table, at the library board, on the Economic Development Partnership, on the Association of Kootenai Boundary Local Government, and now UBCM, one of the things I've noticed about our table is we have a great difficulty having a conversation about A wide range of topics uh, because there's an ongoing subjectivity coming from the mediator. And it's so critical, and I think it's critical in this election, I think it's critical in the future, I think it's critical in all the committee work and every other kind of work we do. And when you have people of divergent opinion trying to turn a problem over and look at it from all sides and understand it and get clarity around the table about what the problem is and how we're solving it, Mm -hmm. it's so important that there's almost an absence of subjectivity coming from the person mediating the conversation. Because when the mediator or the chair is opinionated and one counselor talks and then the chair talks and rebuts them and then a different counselor is called upon, but then gets rebutted again. And then a different counselor is called upon in the speaking list. And then they're rebutted again. Like it's not a conversation between the council. It's a conversation between the chair and everybody else. And that does not exist at almost any other table, including other city councils, because that chair is filling their role of, of managing the conversation, not managing the outcome of the conversation. And that Mm -hmm. needs to change. And so I knew that if it was going to be, if that needed to happen, or I was going to make that leap that I needed to kind of firm that up early on and I started talking to people earlier on in, in 2022, and I started passing around. and got lots of really great support. And as we got closer to the actual election, other names showed up. Okay. People with more experience, people of other diversity groups that I really stepped back and paused and said, do I need to fix this problem? Like, I know the problem needs to be fixed. And that someone should try to fix it. Yeah. And the town should be provided a choice where it can decide to fix it. Yeah. But if though if, if there are other people there, and there are, there's yeah. at least two of them, who can embody that change and enact that fix and maybe even fix it better than I would at this stage. Then I was like, I don't have to fix all the things. <laughs> someone else is on it. That's nice. the teamwork. That's the, the dream work. Team. That's the yeah. delegation. Like the town... I just that's just one of my main messages is is the town has a choice and it would it would be in everyone's best interest to choose a fair adjudicator of that table.
0: Thank you so much for sharing that and speaking about the challenge, I'm sure many people are not aware of it, and it's really important to fix that um now I've asked everyone else about what their topic. So I want to ask you too, what are you passionate about from the topics like housing, culture, drugs, climate change, food security? What is your topic?
1: It's housing. It's housing. It's definitely housing. housing. Mm -hmm. It's housing in that we have a very successful uh, development market uh, in the last few years. And we are very far behind both as a community as a region, and as a nation at developing the number of homes we need for the population in my generation that is being left behind. I'm 42, and I've just been watching us get left behind for 22 years. And I talk to my peers, and it is just there's deep frustration over the inaction or the lack of sufficient action. Mm -hmm. And there have been specific projects that I've been involved in to develop not only studio spaces for artists that would be owned and operated by themselves, and but also upwards of 62 units of workforce housing. And those pieces of business, and this is why the fair, the fair adjudication of discussion is so important and so important in this election, is there have been specific situations this year where work around projects that support the arts and culture creators in our town and can bring on workforce housing, not had an opportunity, have have had all their preparatory work done, had put all their rigor in, had done all their planning, have gotten great sense of their resources and how the project would come together and then come to our table and not been fairly represented as what they are Mm -hmm. and not had the proponents and the people that have been putting the project together at the table to describe what they're doing, because the subjectivity and the opinionation of, of the person mediating the meeting actively prevented it from happening Mm -hmm. instead of including it as part of the discussion where it belonged, because that's what our table is supposed to do is to, is to evaluate these things. And so in many ways, I see the problem as housing, but housing is a symptom having difficulty in the governance realm, having quality conversations about what the most important projects need to be in the city.
0: Just to see that I'm, I'm, I understand you, because there's a few words that you say that I miss. Housing, you mean that people can buy houses. People in our age, I'm 42, 41 too, so we can buy houses or to rent, Or because you started to talk about the artists and it... Didn't completely yeah, I lost
1: connect. it. No, that's fair. I I, I do, no, I, I I do lost cover it, a lot so... of, I do cover a lot of territory. Um and that's my that's my problem not being succinct sometimes. Housing is the issue, but housing is a spectrum and it is it is not it there is not one thing we would not just go out and build single family homes in the regional district and then we would solve housing. We need purpose built rentals, we need supportive housing, which is funded housing for people on low income. We need rent-to-own situations. We need co-op housing with shared equity. We need single-family homes and we need condos. Uh, And I know people generally will cringe at the word condos, but both regionally and in the city of Nelson, we need to identify specific gaps and and we we see the impacts on our streets and we need to build that kind of housing. We need to always be... And
0: the problem that you're trying to solve is...
1: The vacancy rate. The vacancy rate is at 0.5%. The rental market is dysfunctional because there's no liquidity. There's no movement. There's no wiggle room in the rental market. So the price negotiation capacity of the tenant is completely lost. And so it's all about bringing on supply until we get off of 0.5% vacancy. The current situation was, which is if you can get anything, grab it. And if you need to stick two kids in a one-bedroom, do it. Do it, yeah. And if you have a baby on the way, well, I guess that's going in the pantry, right? Like, (laughs) as much as I think it's super important, we find ways to support our landlords and at being the best they can be at, at getting the right kind of tools and resources they need to be really effective at what they do and that there's lots of supply in the system in terms of units that can be turned into suites or rooms that can be converted. But I also think people really need to have the choice between do I wanna rent an apartment building where there's a property manager, or do I wanna rent the basement of a single family home from a particular individual? And if you don't have that choice, the dynamic between the renter and and the landlord can get very difficult. And there's a lot of heartbreak that happens there and a lot of angst and a lot of anger and a lot of bad outcomes.
0: Thank you for listening. My name is Yaël Feiner, and this was Kiss Page. Next, we're going to talk with John Dooley, who is running for mayor for the fifth time. There's some people that
1: t- tend to think of me as being, um, you know, like a, a an old white male. And, you know, people seem to tie that to some uh, politician that's on the right. I've never been on the right. I mean, my whole upbringing has been on the left, believe it or not. You know, my, my whole family have been uh, socialists their whole lives. Um, you know, I was raised in a community where our life was built around cooperation, co-ops and working together and social values. So
0: it's kind of ironic
1: that, you know, you get painted into that corner.
0: Please subscribe to this podcast and listen to the other candidates, See you next time.